From your United States Air Force Band, this is the Connection Series, a podcast that examines the intersections between the military, music, and storytelling. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brooke Emery. On this episode, we continue with our series featuring conversations with our guest artists. Last month, the Airmen of Note collaborated with legendary saxophonist Chris Potter for a capacity crowd here in the D.C. area. Known as one of the most sophisticated and respected jazz stylists of the last 30 years, Potter has gained fame both as a leader and as a sideman in several prominent groups, including Red Rodney's Quintet, Dave Holland, and Steely Dan. He's released numerous solo albums, and his latest ventures delve into the world of electronic sampling, rhythm-heavy sounds, and cross-cultural collaborations. Master Sergeant Ben Patterson, lead trombonist and music director for the Airmen of Note, caught up with Potter before his performance with the Air Force Band. Here is their conversation. Well, Chris, I have a couple questions I'd like to ask you. Okay. Um, a chance to pick your brain. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I kind of wanted to just get inside the why, uh, why music for you, and why is music important to the human experience in general? Mm, wow. Okay. Let's... Let's dive right in. Um, music's been important to me as uh, as far back as I can remember. I mean, you know, from the from the time I was a little kid, I was always if there was a musical instrument around, I was trying to figure out how it worked. You know, and I was always listening to my parents' records. Uh, I didn't know what anything was. I would just look at the cover and go, "Oh, that looks cool," and I put that on. You know, so um, so it's always been a big part of how I, uh, you know. Uh, just something that added to my life, and um, and when I finally began to uh, to be a musician, I started playing the saxophone when I was ten. That's that's when I really got serious about it. You know, I I found that that it was a way to communicate feelings, um, communicate things that that couldn't be said in words, that I couldn't figure out how to say in words, and uh, and in a way, I mean, it's a it's a very um, mysterious phenomenon, music, you know, because. Because in one way, it's you know, especially if there's no words in it, it's instrumental music. It's it's uh, it's completely abstract in a way. But on the other hand, um, you know, when I'm listening to something really amazing, when I'm listening to a great, you know, when I'm listening to John Coltrane, when I'm listening to Mozart, when I'm you know, whatever, you know, you you feel that um, that there's this very specific expression that words couldn't possibly be that specific, you know. Um, so this this is this is kind of what uh, music has always meant to me. It's been a way that listening to other people's music has been a way for me to, um, you know, to uh, you know, it's like you don't feel so alone. You're like, wow, somebody else felt that too. How about that? You know, and then as a musician yourself, you're you're hoping to be in that situation where you're expressing, you know, how you feel, and then you're hoping someone out there in the audience gets that and goes, oh yeah, I. I didn't know someone else had that feeling. So that's, that's kind of the back and forth. And going along with that, uh, so music has a power of sort of bringing people from different cultures and backgrounds together, wouldn't you say? You've been all over the world and playing with all different yeah. kinds of different musicians. And sure. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the, um, the jazz community, you know, that, that I'm involved in now, I mean, it, it really does, it's a very worldwide community. And I'm, and I'm fortunate that I do, I do travel a lot and I, you know, you you get to know people in 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 all kinds of different places, um, and 
you know, in some big, big sense, it really does feel like a community of people who love this music and who are involved in it. And they might, you know, you know, not even speak speak the English language that well. But when it comes to music, you know, you feel like there's this understanding all the time. I mean, I've also had the chance to work with musicians from from a lot of different places, from you know, from Europe, from South America. You know, we were actually having a discussion yesterday about a big project I've been doing lately, um, which is a trio with Dave Holland on bass, uh, who's English originally, although he's been in the United States for many years, and um, Zakir Hussain, uh, who's a master of the tabla from India, you know. Um, and we worked together with some other um, Indian musicians. We went to India, um, had a lot of conversations, you know, and, and that's a very... Uh, that's a very highly developed form as well that also uses improvisation, you know, highly developed in, in many different ways than jazz is. So, uh, you know, the dialogue, like on the bus, we would just be talking for hours and kind of comparing notes. Um, I mean, these are, these are the kinds of experiences that, uh, I mean, honestly, when I started playing the saxophone, I never thought in a million years that this would be one of the big benefits of it, but it, but it really is, I mean, it, you know. It's, maybe it sounds like a bit of a cliche almost, but it, but it, but it really is true that it's, um, you know, it's been a way to um, feel like you're building some bridges with people that you never would have met except for music. Along with those experiences, not only have the musicians been brought together in a unique way, but uh, the audience members of Kami's, I remember you said they weren't necessarily just jazz fans or right. fans of Indian music or fans of the particular mm -hmm. performers from different countries, but all people from different uh, backgrounds with different expectations, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to, uh, to have those situations where you're, you know, you're not just preaching to the choir in a certain sense, like, you know, I mean, it's great to, you know, to be welcomed by the jazz community and people that know, oh yeah, I recognize, you know, he's quoting Take the A-Train now, but, but, it's, but it's great to go beyond that too and, and play for folks that are not maybe as familiar um, and, and see how they interpret it, you know, um, uh, and the, you know, the kind of comments that you get, you know, you're like, wow, okay, it really did break through, you know. Uh, you feel like there was there was an understanding there, and maybe I mean, especially in a situation if I'm playing, you know, with Indian musicians and Indian people are looking, there's there's some way to into it for them that maybe they can relate to what we're doing as well. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely, that's wonderful. Um, I was just kind of wondering um, as you continue to to develop. I mean, playing at such a high level all the time, how do you stay motivated and focused? Um, well, because. Uh, you know, music. Uh, there, there's no end to music. There's no end to what it can express. There's, there's no, uh, there's no final point where you go, oh yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm good enough. That was good enough. <laughs> you know, that's one part of it. Um, but it's not even just that. It's that. It's that. There's always more to explore. There's always a different way of looking at maybe something you've been looking at for many years. This is, this is why having these influences of people with different backgrounds can be really useful too. Um, is maybe it helps you look at things in a different way. I mean, now that I'm, you know, getting a little older too, I can, I can, there are, I mean, I've always been inspired by the older generation, which I, I still am, you know, the Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter and Dave Holland and all these folks that, you know, um, 
but now there's there's a crowd of younger musicians too, and I and I realize they have a different point of view than when I was coming up, you know, and that that inspires me as well. So there's always there's always something new to learn, and also as you go through life, I mean, um, you're always facing some kind of new challenge. It's not it's not the same as it was exactly ten years ago, twenty years ago, you know. Um, so, so your headspace is in a, you know, it's maybe it's in a different space and you, you know different things about life than you used to and, and that you, you want to find a way to express that in your music. Um, so that keeps you, uh, that keeps you searching for it. You know, you're, you're always searching and I mean, uh, musicians, you know, tend to stay young in that way if they, if they take care of themselves, you know. Um, I think because, you know, there's, it's so active, it's so social and it's so, uh, so engaging to like every part of the brain that you, you know, you, you just keep on going and going and going. There's one tune of mine that we're doing called The Source, um, which I wrote for an album is I think around the year 2000 now called um, Gratitude and uh, the idea with that was to pay tribute to a lot of my favorite saxophone players so um, so this particular tune the source was um, was written for John Coltrane you know with him in mind um, sort of based on a tune of his called uh, Mr. Day I mean it's a blues but it's um, you know a little bit similar but I named it that you know just because because um, I always felt that no matter you know he he went through a lot of different stylistic periods in his music, um, playing in a more traditional way and then a much more free avant-garde way. But he, he always, for me, um, maintained a, some kind of connection to the source of, uh, of what music's about, you know, his, uh, his uh, spirituality about it, you know, was always, it always seemed connected to that. So uh, that's why I named it that. Kind of interested to hear what the explanation of uh, Megalopolis. Is. Yeah, I was. Um, Megalopolis comes from an album called Traveling Mercies, and I I didn't really t you know tell anybody this. Maybe I maybe I should have <laughs> made it clear, but but uh, but I did kind of have an idea that that record was a, kind of about the American experience, you know, and different. Uh, like there's a, there's a tune on that record called Washed Ashore. I'm thinking about you know people coming from overseas, you know. Um, various things like that. So Megalopolis was, was, was thinking about the growth of cities, you know, and um, it starts with this kind of sampler sound that, that has been adapted to flutes and synthesizer and, you know, and then a phrase comes in, you know, and it's by itself and then it keeps adding layers and layers and layers. And, um, you know, that's, that's like the, the idea that maybe, you know, a few people come and it's a simple thing and then it keeps adding layers, you know, um, until all of a sudden it's not even just a city, it's connected to the other nearby cities, you know, and it's just this huge network of people. That's cool. This episode was produced by myself, along with Chief Master Sergeant Dennis Hoffman. 
Additional audio assistance was provided by Master Sergeant Mike Hampf and Master Sergeant Emily Wellington. The executive producer of the Connection series is Colonel Don Schofield. Schofield.